Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. To start off with Dr. D, we're going to be looking, as I said, at post-traumatic growth. And uh, that's definitely flexibility and fluidity is a huge part of it. So Dr. D, Dorian, welcome. As always, a delight and a pleasure to have you on the show. Hello, Nick. So I have to comment, I guess this is a bit of fluidity and flexibility of how yes. we will actually start the show. Because I had no idea that this is going to be your theme and I'm just resonating with it and thinking what a great theme you have of flexibility and fluidity for the year. Do you know that it's one of the five central components of emotional intelligence, flexibility and fluidity? And it's really based on the fact that the only thing that we're really, really sure of is change. And if you can't adapt to the change and if you can't think laterally, you really have a problem. You kind of often become rigid, and that rigidity causes anxiety. And one of the first people who wrote a lot about the importance of lateral thinking and being flexible was Abraham Maslow all of all of those years ago when he was discussing the characteristics of people who really cope and of people who really do well. And he, re- he highlighted that tremendously. And it's interesting because we always talk about planning and very careful planning. We don't often talk about the best made, the best laid plans of mice and men. And boy, have we learned that during this time, how with absolute planning, there's still unpredictability and how the rug can be pulled out from under you just at the drop of a hat. And so what you're saying for your theme going forward is you might not be able to control everything, but with flexibility and fluidity, you cope better. You come up with a different plan and maybe you don't sweat the small stuff so much. Mm. So I just think that it's a wonderful theme and a great measure of emotional intelligence, which is so related to overall life success. So I love the theme for the year. Oh, I love. Thank you, Dorian. Thank you for expanding on that. I love it. I love it. And I'm going to definitely listen back on that. And and as I said, I suppose it does link up with the post-traumatic growth because you spoke about being able to deal with what life gives us. So there's the resilience, right? I mean, the last time we spoke, we spoke a lot about resilience. Um, but how are we able, when we've been through very challenging times, how are we able to extract the lessons? How are we able to say, okay, I, I see the positives in that harrowing experience? You know, it's a very, very important topic. And usually when we expand on it in the way we're going to do now, we take kind of one step back a little bit because we say prevent post-traumatic stress promote post-traumatic growth. And I do want to link the two because if you just go for the lesson and if you just go for the meaning without having done the journey, it's very difficult to define the ending or to write the ending without owning the story. So the success of the lesson and internalizing the lesson And harnessing the lesson, and we can talk about what those lessons of post-traumatic growth are, but how do you harness them to improve your present and your future going forward is also quite related to how you've processed the event that taught you the lesson in the first place. So where a lot of people trip up when we talk about these kind of things 
of positivity, optimism, resilience, and post-traumatic growth. If they say, I want a piece of that, it's been a tough year, I'm going to go for that. Mm -hmm. And what they often mean is I will not go the other way. I will not face the dark side. I will not go into that kind of thing. Let's just say new year, new day, shove it under the carpet, and we're on our way. Now, while some of that attitude really might be good is to hold that kind of attitude, the success of maintaining the lessons that we're going to be talking about, which con- talking about, which constitute post-traumatic growth, also depends on how on owning the story, as I say, and how you processed what you had to go through, which will prevent post-traumatic stress from from setting in. It's Sorry, we're going to take a break, a quick, a, a yeah. quick break, because I love this. I love that we have to look at the full story. We're right. not just looking at the positive, but processing, as you say, and all the go- negative things and then moving forward. I love that. Yeah. Let's really unpack that after the break, Dory. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to the DL Link Show. Of course, as we enter the dawn of another new year, um, still in the frightening grips of the COVID pandemic, nearly two years later, since our world was turned upside down. The real question now is if we're ready to heal, to accept, to gracefully live with what we cannot change and finding the courage to change what we can. We have the wonderful Dr. D, Dorian Wheel um, on the show today. We're opening the show to my post-traumatic growth and I love that Dory said it's it's post-traumatic growth and post-traumatic stress come together it's the full story we're not beginning the new year just looking at the positive because what do we do with the trauma with the stress where does that go if we just look to the growth and the story so Nikki what I'm really saying is you don't have to have post-traumatic stress if you face the trauma of what you've gone through. So look, let's look at what they are. You know, I always been, these days, been talking about global mourning as opposed mm. to global warming because with more, with loss comes mourning, with loss comes grief. And so we are going to focus much more on the positive, but let's look at what we've had to deal with. We've had to deal with loss of people. We've had to deal with loss of jobs. We've had to deal with loss of certainty. We've had to deal with loss of physical contact. We've had to deal with loss of predictability. We've had to do with the inability to plan, as we were talking about now. And bring the resilience means keeping going, still finding the good, using your energy and saying, look, you know, I know my why. I know why I'm doing it. And that's spurring me on with a little help from my friends. So, no, we do not want to embrace anything to do with post-traumatic stress. We want to avoid the setting in of post-traumatic stress, which will come from the lack of facing of some of the things that we've had to do. Have Going through all of these things, there has been an increase in anxiety and depression. We've got a global mental health crisis, as we all know. But how can you prevent that from turning into post-traumatic stress, which means feeling the stress after the trauma, mm-hmm. post-trauma stress? We don't want that. We want the stress during the trauma, and we don't want the stress to last in a post-traumatic way. But what we want is to deal with what we've got, to to go through it, 
to use the resources and help to name it in order to tame it, to feel it in order to heal it, to face it and to embrace it in order to face it. These are all slick one-liners, but they all mean you've got to, the only way out is in, basically, is what we say. So you go in and then you can emerge out. You don't get stuck in, because if you get stuck in, you're going to get post-traumatic stress. So you've gone through this whole thing, what many of the steps we, you've spoken about on this show. And then you begin, you emerge and you say, my goodness me, what a hell of a journey this has been. You know, is how do I not let suffering go to waste? If I have gone through this, is there anything that I can do? to make the future or my present better. And what I've enjoyed so much about this focusing on the post-traumatic growth is that it's been absolutely an eye-opener for me and crazy that people are saying the same thing. You're getting this thread of similarity of post-traumatic growth criteria. What is it that everybody's talking about? And I mean, if if you want to, we can explore what some of the common things are yes, and how please, to start Well, the first thing that people say is, my God, has there been a priority shift? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you get that in relation to pretty much everything. I mean, I'm very, very fortunate. I'm having one day at the most beautiful, beautiful place in Hermanus in celebration of a friend's birthday. And we were talking about, you know, when are we going to eat for dinner? And in actual fact, we were just saying, you know, we don't care. We just as much, we're not into all of that as much. We're into just celebrating being together. We're into just taking a, a look at this incredible view that we can see and letting it touch our souls. So things that I'm just using this as a very trite, almost first world example, if you like, of things that used to cause us stress or be important aren't anymore. It's about connection, most importantly. The priority has been about relationships. The valuing of relationships, which may have been always there, but not recognized as much. And when you've gone through this with maybe someone who you've lived with, or a great friend perhaps who you undervalued, and you get that call from someone who says, how are you today? And it doesn't mean hella has it. What it means is how are you really? You live in my heart. And I'm thinking about how you really are because you've been going through a hard time. That kind of importance and difference in connection with people has been probably the greatest thing in terms of what is important and what isn't. Mm. But people are spending time and effort and energy and saying, this is where I want to put my energy from now on. Now you can imagine how that, how that awareness, that is just impacting our lives everywhere in terms of work, in terms of the reevaluation of what success really is. You know, just in terms of how we're going to make things work. We're not turning up all the old and saying, you know, I'll never, ever have a day in my office. But people are better at making boundaries. It's relating to another post-traumatic growth issue, which is the importance of self-compassion. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just like saying, you know, how can I cut myself some slack now? And how am I not going to put all this pressure on myself? Because at the end of the day, you know, you guys don't know, but I can see Nikki, who's my beautiful friend, she's on a screen, you know. And I can say to her, you know, I want to look after my friend's friend. So I can be a good friend to you. I want to look after my children's mother. And I want to look after my husband's wife. And I actually don't feel embarrassed to say I want to look after me. Whereas before that used to be considered as selfish. Can you imagine? That used to be considered as selfish. See, that's all changing. This kind of priority value of connection with other people and connection with ourselves. The other thing that has come from that in post-traumatic growth related to it is being much more of a compassionate member of the human race. You know, when you listen to even the news or whatever, the things that get reported, I was watching CNN funnily enough last night, in the face of some of these kind of tragedies that are happening with natural disasters in the States. And what the news people talk about first is how someone got out of the car and offered everyone else oranges. You know, that wouldn't have been so much. They're just focusing on the importance of being kind Mm. and being kind to other people in a way that I think is different. We all, I used to say we're in the same boat. I don't think we're in the same boat, really. I think we're in the same storm. I know that there are different boats, especially in South Africa. Some are have more what resembles perhaps a, a sturdy ocean liner. Others are on rafts. But in some way we all being, and, and there's something connecting about saying, you know, this virus doesn't discriminate. doesn't matter what color you are, what gender you are, what age you are. It matters in some way if you have resources, but only in some way because you may be able to access help. There, there may be those differences. And then something that people are talking about as well, you spoke about resilience, you know, and what is and what isn't in your control. I also must talk about positivity because uh, um, that's important. But But people are getting more of a realistic balance, much more, much more, between what is and what isn't in your control, Nikki. You know, I remember because, as you know, I often work with senior executives, sometimes young senior executives, who've been brazen and who've been quite arrogant in their lives and in the way. And they come up with sayings that I've heard very often like, Oh, for goodness sake, if the circumstances suck, just change them. You know, just change them. As if you can kind of make anything happen. And that was always considered very good. You know, it was based on that saying 90% of what happens to people. Um, no, 5% of what happens to people is like fatal circumstance. If you take care of the 90%, the 5% will take care of itself. Well, I think that ratio has changed a little bit now. And there's become much more humility, much more humility about, and I think the other thing together with that is a realization that the future is now. There's much less of one day when. So, you know, the things that you put on hold, all the old passions that were on the shelf, 
the one day when my children are grown up, one day when I've lost weight, one day when I've got more money, one day when, you kind of suddenly realize what if there isn't a one day when in five years' time? What if the one day when is like almost now? And how do I start the rest of my life today? You know, there's definitely much more of a sort of a emphasis on that. And I think the other thing that we, I want to, to mention is that there's a huge, huge, huge difference between positivity and optimism. You know, I was getting bloody irritated, I have to say, towards even the beginning of the pandemic. And it was always well-meant, always well-meant. And you get all of these WhatsApps and lovely messages like, Oh, for goodness sake, you know, the birds are singing in the trees and there are dolphins in the canals of Venice. And just take a look outside. You'll see all the silver lining on all of the clouds. And the sun still comes up and it's a very beautiful day and all of that. And yes, there's some of that. And what people meant is don't only focus on the negative. We have to look at hope, but they weren't saying it like that. And so what people were feeling, Nikki, maybe you were finding it in the work that you do more and more, is if they didn't feel positive or if, they, if things were too difficult and they couldn't focus on that, made them feel worse. Mm-hmm. Everyone else can see the positive, but I can't. I'm not allowed to talk about the degree of anxiety that I'm experiencing. Or the fact that I'm scared about the future. Or I'm not even sure about my job. You can't talk about that. Just be positive, be positive, be positive. And that kind of thing causes post-traumatic stress. Because if you don't acknowledge and deal with those things, they don't just dissipate. You start sort of collecting more and more and more and more evidence. So, yes, realistic optimism, mindful optimism isn't the same as positivity. What optimism, which is so essential, so central to post-traumatic growth is hope and belief that this too shall pass and the person that you were, you are, it's still there, just pretty buried and there's a future with a difference and the different future can be better doesn't mean you can't acknowledge the things of the past. There can be a better kind of future. And I can see the light at the end of the tunnel for sure, which isn't only the lights of the oncoming train without denying certain realities that I'm going through now. It's an essential hopefulness that propels us to never give up, that propels us to see that there's something different and something more that allows us to use our support system. And it's really a kind of considered belief that you want to continue with. You know, Dari, I'm going to encourage everybody who's listening to the show to listen back to what you've said, because there's so many gems there. And I think that part of this post-traumatic growth is actually just stopping everything, switching everything off for a while and processing in the way. And I mean, you talk about having conversations with people and people saying, you know, my perspectives changed, my priorities have changed this. You know, how many of us are taking time to just sit quietly, to go within, to process? I think it's a very powerful and important way to start the year. 
I really encourage you, you know, we're going to be podcasting this from tomorrow. I really encourage you to listen to what Dorie has said again. So powerful, Dorie, really. So well, fantastic. And Nikki, just to end by saying, give yourself a pat on the back. You've survived this. Yeah. Now I want to look at how you thrive through the survival. Mm. You know, how do you thrive through Get, you know, we've done it. We do through it. We here. There's still residue. There's still challenges. But my goodness me, if you would have said two years ago, you know, there's going to be a plague that will overtake the world and change us completely, you would have said, yeah, good, probably a bad grade, B, a B grade <laughs> movie. Yeah. Not going to watch that movie. <laughs> Not going to watch it. And now we've lived through it and we're yeah. here and in it together. Yeah. So true, Dory. Thank you. As always, a delight and a pleasure. Enjoy the rest of wherever you are in your magical Thank you. place. Thank, Thank you for you. inspiring us and just switching on that light so brightly, Dory. Big kisses to bye, you. Bye, bye, bye. bye Nikki. And bye, you have Dory. a spectacular year. Oh, thank love you, Dory, you. and to you too. And bye. love you too. Bye. Thank you, Dory. 